Welcome Pewter Report readers and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm Mark Cook along with my boss, Mr. Scott Reynolds. Hello, hello. Scott has I thought, vowed, I thought your audio didn't work for a second. I didn't realize you were just playing a cool Scott. You're like, let's just, John, let's just like freeze up on you every once in a while. Just like, <laughs> can't blink though. Um, I do that sometimes when I FaceTime people. I just like freeze up and they're like, is that real? Uh, and also, that's John Ledger that you hear. Uh, he's up in the top left corner. If this is the Brady Bunch, he would be uh, Greg Brady. So, uh, but it's not Scott. Would be, understand uh, that reference. Scott would be Alice. No, who would you be? Who was in the bottom middle? I don't know. Doesn't Sandra matter. <laughs> no, he wasn't in the opening of the Brady Bunch. Uh, I actually had a good debate. I actually had a good debate on my Facebook. Uh, the greatest TV theme of all time. I had like a hundred people comment on that. So anyway, if you guys want to uh, give me your favorite TV theme songs of all time, uh, John will probably get mad for me telling you to do this. But hey, we got time. We're uh, we're planning on having a very mediocre first half of this podcast, and then really turn it on. Yep, then really turn it on in the second half. Uh, and this the Pewter Report podcast is powered by. Our proud friends and sponsors, Celsius. Well, you know, guys, uh, Celsius right here. You know, I to be victory honest, orange. I, yeah, I had I'm to not, get a victory orange, Scott. There you go. I, I didn't drink one today, and I'm not drinking one tonight at 7.30. It kept me up all night. Do but it. tomorrow, after my workout, I'm going to crush this bad boy right here. This is the the Blood Orange Lemonade BCAA Plus Energy. So if you need to rehydrate uh, or hydrate for your workout, uh, this is the one to go to right here. This has got the goods in it, fuels recovery. It's got tart cherry and electrolytes. So I'm crushing this bad boy tomorrow. I already got it reserved. Told the kids, stay off, lay off. This is my blood orange lemonade Celsius right here. So, If you want to know how Scott throws up four hundo at 35 years old on the bench. <laughs> no, I do not. Well, I can tell you how he does that. He Celsius. has to do uh, uh, 250 plates four, uh, five times or four times or something like that. He yeah. he can't do 400 at one math? time. Yeah, it's, do math. It's, uh, it's multiple reps of lightweight when you're 48 years old. So, yeah. just, And with a bad shoulder. Uh, shoulders doing okay. Shoulders not not so bad. You right know what now. else is doing okay? My taste buds. Because Scott, I honestly might be with you. Orange Celsius is so good. It's the best. It, it just it's just so good. Yeah, it's really good. And listen, we want to thank you guys out there in Pewter Nation for for giving Celsius a try. And and you know, if you're wondering how can you get Celsius, well, you can go to Celsius.com. You go to the store locator and and pull that up in the region nearest you, and you can find out where Celsius is sold. Um, Right by your house. Or you can click on the banner ads on pewterreport.com. They're going to take you to Amazon where you can buy them in bulk and save a lot of money. And if you don't know which one you want, whether you want to try some of these BCAA uh, plus energy drinks, these are non-sparkling, or the sparkling one like John has, the orange flavor, which is the best, uh, you can try the, the variety pack. And that's the cool way to sample a whole bunch of flavors from Celsius and uh, and decide which one's best for you. So Make sure that your life is energized, just like the Peter Report podcast by Celsius. And I'm trying out the uh, Celsius spring water uh, <laughs> version here. It's pretty good stuff. Uh, gives me a lot of energy. And, really good uh, point here from John Kay, by the way. John you, you Kay know, says maybe the team needs a Celsius. I was going to say, there you go. That's it, John yep. Kay. That's it. Give this team some Celsius and uh, and see what happens in the first quarter. I actually have enough in my living room right now that I could uh, get the entire 53-man squad a, uh, a can of Celsius. Well, I'm going to have um, to get some of yours, Mark, because my kids have rolled through mine. I literally had like seven cases of Celsius. It's all gone. Yeah, I wow. I've got like five of these left. That's it. So. I've got it. I will gladly give it to you. Although what I've done is I've actually stacked it next to my recliner, so it's kind of turned into a little table where I can stack my uh, Celsius spring water bottles on top of it, uh, because right now I have to just drink water. That's all I'm allowed to drink. So anyway, I can't wait 
to the day that I can pound a couple Celsius drinks with you guys, fellas. Speaking of pounding, boy, the Bucks pounded the Falcons, but only in the second half. Uh, the, right, thirty-one, thirty-one to ten. They were down seventeen, nothing. Uh, they rally thanks to Tom Brady's three hundred and twenty yards passing and two touchdowns in the second half to beat the Atlanta Falcons, thirty-one to twenty-seven, and uh, a game that. It really was was like a, a tale of two halves for the Buccaneers. Plenty of suck at the beginning, plenty of awesomeness in the second half. And where did we begin, John? Where did we? I, this honestly, thing? the only reason I'm here is a so I don't get fined, and b so that I can hear Mark say positive things about Tom Brady. That's all. That's the only reason I'm on the show tonight. I was going to pass. I was going to try and watch the Sunday night. You know, catch up on the rest of the games. Finish watching the Saints game, but I just came on. I wanted to hear Mark say some positive things about Tom Brady. So Mark I, I, I would love to talk positive about Tom Brady. I really would. I thought Tom Brady had an outstanding second half. I thought he was dreadful in the first half. <laughs> I did something today I've never done on Twitter before. My first half observations. I didn't and, even see this. Oh, man. People, it blew up. I'm surprised I didn't get any tweets from the Buccaneers. Now, I made it clear. It was just the first half observations. And at the bottom, I put there's 30 minutes to go. Well, then I did a second half, half uh, observation thing I said Tom Brady was awful in the first half and um, and you know I can lump him in with the entire offense but he missed another wide open guy and, and Chris Godwin on a play that could have been a big play to, to, to kind of get him back in that game in the first half uh, but man he was uh, he was the Tom Brady of old in the second half now you you can hear me talk all kind of great stuff about Tom Brady Levante David on the other hand John yeah <laughs> I got nothing for you after Listen. this game. You're not making he's not making a good case for your case for him to make a Pro Bowl after that he's got a uh, monstrous five said. tackle. No, Mark I just said, he's said I said he's fell off a cliff. I didn't say he has to retire. I mean, no, there's plenty of guys. No, I'm you joking. I didn't that say that. First, there that. were a couple times in the first half where I wondered, is Levante David losing a step? Now, again. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that he is. He, he's still better than 75% of the even, – even the way that I feel that he's playing this year, he's still better than most middle linebackers. Uh, but but as Scott and I were trying to say to you, is is there such a standard set by a guy like Levante David that he set going back to his rookie year in 2012 when he was a first-round draft pick? Um, and, and, you know – uh, the Buccaneers could have had um, Luke Keekley too. I don't know if you remember that or not, John, but they decided to go with oh, yes. um, who did they get with Mark Barron? That, Mark Barron yeah. that was the Mark Barron year, yeah, and uh, and Big Doug yikes, Martin, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, the point the point is is um, you know he's he sets such a high bar, um, and we're just not seeing quite those big monumental game changing type plays. They've kind of today in particular, you know, those were Devin White's plays to be made plays that Levante David used to make and and I will this week John I'm not the all 22 guy like you but I will tomorrow or Tuesday when it comes out I will look at Levante David specifically and I'll try and point a couple of examples where I thought he just looked lost in coverage at times and just you know why they looked lost in coverage Mark because they're playing zone they need to scrap this zone yeah. crap yeah. and start playing man-to-man because -man. guess what happened in the second half Todd Bowles decided I'm going to play some zone and what happened um, you know, in the first half, um, <laughs> wide open receivers, wide open touchdowns for Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley. He decides to play man coverage in the second half. All of a sudden, Matt Ryan's got to hold on to the ball. He gets sacked three times by Devin White. And all of a sudden, he's starting to get a little inaccurate because his receivers aren't wide open. And so and I, don't, I don't know why, why there's this love affair with soft zone coverage in the first quarter of games. And I understand that they tried to, to do some man against uh, Tyreek Hill. Uh, didn't work out. Got 200 yards and a couple of touchdowns in the first quarter. And and, and he got shell-shocked by that. But I just don't understand. Jason Light drafts three man-to-man, press-man corners in Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, and Carlton Davis. And they play uh, such, such few snaps, especially in the first half, of man coverage it's baffling to me well scott i don't know if you noticed this it works i don't know if you noticed this the tv cameras barely caught it but as halftime uh was starting 
um, somebody grabbed Todd Bowles and ripped the mask off. And it was actually Mike Smith under the mask in that first half. I was wondering so, how long it was going to take for this. Like Scooby-Doo when they it, pulled the mask Yes, off. yes, oh. exactly. And he said, I would have got away with it if it weren't for you darn kids. So, uh, But Devin White and, uh, and, and Sean Murphy Bunting and some of those guys were able to rip the mask off. And they were able to get Mike Smith ushered out of the stadium and untie Todd Bowles, who was uh, tied up in one of the lockers. Well, one of the one of the big things that Todd Bowles did do in that second half was Bruce Arians mentioned it, and I think there was some more man too, like you said, Scott, but I think another th- big thing was they were playing a lot of two high safeties, and yeah. really that's how they should be playing all year, especially exactly. against Atlanta. You are not exactly. going to get run on by Atlanta, and if you do, whatever. Right. Like You're exactly. going to win the game still. Like yes. You've got to stop the pass. Now, did that always work out for him? I mean, literally, they're playing two high safety so they don't get beat deep. And Jordan Whitehead bites on a double move. like, And it was not even a fast double move, man. This is Russell Gage, and he lets one over his head. And, you know, and so the, you know, it still wasn't great, but the process was a lot better. He put players in better position to succeed in the second half by playing more too high. But there's a good point by Terrence Davis here, too. He says, can't play man-to-man if one of those men is SMB. And let's be honest, guys. Whatever coverage scheme Todd Bowles has played, we are at the point in this season. It doesn't matter. Sean Murphy Bunting cannot play. He can't do it. He's killing this team when he's on the field. And if they don't find a way to get him off the field, I know with Carlton Davis maybe hurt, that's obviously gets a little bit trickier. But this game, I mean, he he almost lost this game for them. That's how bad Sean Murphy Bunting was. He was just indefensible. I mean, they threw it at him every play. He couldn't. He wasn't even close to making a play on the ball. Most he's the he's completely lost his confidence completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. We saw it last year in training camp. He looked great. Goes out to Pittsburgh in that first preseason game. Gets you know uh, gets destroyed. Loses his confidence. Then he's forced back in the action early in the season um, in a game that I think Carlton Davis had to. I don't know if he got kicked out or whatever it was, but it was against the Saints. Yeah. He actually got an interception in that game. And then he was kind of in and out from time to time. And towards the end of the year, he was playing better with a lot more confidence. But right now, I mean, he, I think he needs a, uh, a shrink for a coach more than you know a defensive back coach right now because yeah. it seems like it's mental. We know he's a talented kid. We know he has athletic ability, but yeah. his awareness They're and the thing so is, fast, it's but... not like it's not like MJ Stewart, right? Where you just knew right away this guy yeah. wasn't right. an NFL caliber right. cornerback. Although I saw him playing for who was it? Who was he playing for the other night? He plays for Cleveland. He'll play yeah. tonight. Yeah, and he, 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 got he looked Lansing. awful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, but, he just but, wasn't athletic enough. But with Murphy Bunting, all these traits sure. and tools are there. He yes. just can't. I mean, he's it's the exact opposite <clears throat> issue. He doesn't right. process at all. He never knows when a route's going to break. He doesn't anticipate anything. He plays every rep just reacting to everything that happens in front of him and reacting slowly. It's just that you can't win a corner if you're not cerebral. And he well, he might just get all the questions right on the test when they're in the meeting room. Right. But when it comes time for the street smarts to come out and the common sense that comes with playing the game and the instincts, they're just non-existent. He just doesn't feel the game at all. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is like Greg points out, Greg DeCruz here, he'll make an interception at Detroit like he did last year. He'll get a pick six, you know, like he did last year. Uh, and then he'll go back to sucking again. I, I hope he doesn't. I hope he finds some confidence. Uh, in in Detroit, which is his hometown game, he had a really good game uh, last year and had a key f- fourth quarter pick six, and and he needs to have that type of performance again. Yeah. I agree, Mark, to get his confidence back. But you know, Ross Cockrell um, plays the slot better. I I just think his body type, <laughs> his quickness, hey, his and, you, and, and you know and what Russ is. is? Russ on is fourth down on fourth down. Ross made that tackle. Yes, you know, to to end the game essentially. Russ reminds me of Andrew Adams last year. He's not going to impress you with with a lot of splash plays, but he's a smart guy yeah, that's going to be comparison. in the right place at the right time and just be a steady force out there. The one thing that I criticized the front office for this year, I didn't criticize them very much at all, I really thought they needed to go out and get a veteran cornerback, not because that person might need to play a whole lot of snaps, but just from the leadership standpoint, yeah. and um, and when Carlton Davis is your most tenured, I don't count Ryan Smith as your most tenured guy because he's strictly sure. a special teams guy. But right. um, you know, I think just the veteran presence. You know what I mean? A seven, eight year veteran just being in there, and and I think that's where uh, Russ, Big Russ, that's what I call him. I don't know why, but uh, that's Mark. Do what? Ross Cockrell. Oh yeah, Ross. Yeah, duh. And uh, so Big Ross 
is uh is is kind of that guy you know what i mean but but i think you know they could maybe that's something they do this offseason maybe they're going to have to do something they can't go in next year if they they're going to put all their eggs in the basket as the saints have this year as 2021 being that super bowl year going to the year uh hoping that sean murphy bunting just all of a sudden it clicks for him they can't take that gamble in my opinion right and we can get back to the defense too i think but i mean i do want to like it seemed you know last week we get on we're like what was that? You know, <laughs> the Vikings missed 10 points and that was, you know, and it's kind of like, I know with fans, it is so easy Bucks fans. I think because they've been on such a negative road for so long and I get it, it's so completely easy to go that direction. And there certainly are negative things and we'll never shy away from talking about those things, but also like, this is a pretty exciting day, guys. I mean, especially you guys, you guys have covered this team for a long time and you know, now they're uh, you know victory against the lions and really they can lose and have some other things happen from getting back to the playoffs. And obviously there are things that, need to be better about this team. But to yep. me, I thought today was a great indication of the fact that, again, this offseason, do you do enough to win a Super Bowl? We, we don't know. And, and that's so hard to do, honestly. Like, that's hard to do to say, okay, we've got this two-year window to win a Super Bowl. I mean, I th- think they put themselves in position to compete. Some things need to absolutely be better. They're going to be in the playoffs. So, I mean, they're going to give themselves a chance. But, guys, like, this team is, is clearly moved in the right direction this season – and a big part of that is they went out in the offseason and they got the best quarterback that was available. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying he's good enough to beat Pat Mahomes or good enough to beat a Saints team that is loaded and been playing together for forever or good enough to beat better coaches or even better quarterbacks because there are a couple better quarterbacks. Not many, but there are a couple. Um, I'm not saying that that's an, it's enough to do those things, but I'm saying it was clearly the right move for the Bucs out of all the options they could have had. Brady was clearly the best one. They made the move. They made a bunch of other moves that have helped and made them a better team. And that was on display, and it's the reason that they won this game. It might not be enough to win every game the rest of the season. They win the Super Bowl, but it's the reason they won this game, and it's the reason they're going to the The, the reason why they won this game was because there was no interceptions and no turnovers for the second straight week. And that was one thing that Tom Brady, uh, and I'm not putting all those losses on on Brady by any means, but during that one-in-three stretch, that four games that they played, Tom Brady threw eight touchdowns and seven interceptions. And, and when he doesn't throw interceptions, this team usually wins. Right. And they did that the last two weeks. He's thrown, what, four touchdowns, no interceptions over the last two weeks. And I guess, lo and behold, here the Bucks are at 9-5, and five, and Brady has thrown 32 touchdowns this season. With one more, he ties Jameis Winston for the franchise record single season. And he's thrown 11 interceptions. That's it. Not, not 33. Or, I'm sorry, not 30, but 11. You know, and that's significant because you can't go to the playoffs and and throw interceptions and and expect to win the game. I mean, it, you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and right now, the way that they're protecting the ball on offense is is keeping them in games, even though they're not faring well in the first quarter. Guys, right. this team has been outscored over the past ten weeks, seventy six to seventeen in the first quarter. The yeah, last and it's like fifty nine to seven over the last five games. I think yeah, or the weeks. last time the Bucks had a lead in the first quarter was against the Bears in Week Five. They have either trailed or or, or been tied in the first quarter in Good. the last ten games. And so, if you take this second half, thirty one points. And if you were to say multiply it by two, if they can play sixty minutes the way they're playing the last thirty, as both Tom Brady and Bruce Arians said in the conference call. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to score 62 points in a game, but they can certainly put up 42, 49 points in a game. They've hit 40 a couple of times this year. The only thing stopping them is themselves in these slow starts. I'm not suggesting that they get down 17-0 every week, but I'm saying this for sure. The Bucs' process as an offense just clears up when they have to throw the football, like it just does, because Which, you, you, they get away from all the running on first down. They might do it once or twice, but there's tons of play action. They start to go more to play action on first down. For some reason, they feel like that's the down. You know what I mean? If we're going to do it, yeah. let's do it on a first down, probably because they run so much on first down. They think that's the reason it works. But they go, they start going to play action. I mean, look at the first drive. They went to play action three times, I think, on the first drive of the game in the second half. I mean, that, that was it would change everything when they started throwing the ball on first down. I mean, they became an unpredictable team to defend and they, everybody's like, Oh, and one for five on third downs in the first half, they 
didn't even have a third down basically in the second half. I mean, their first three touchdown drives in the second half, they had one third down. I mean, you don't even get there if you can win first down. That's what I'm saying. But they don't win first down well, so it's, often that they always leave themselves in third downs and they can only convert. So even though they've been a great third down team this year, you could only realistically, you look at any every statistic, it's unrealistic to expect them to complete third downs at the rate that they've needed to complete them this season to be successful. Right. So that just by skipping and avoiding third downs altogether because they had better first down plays when yeah. they went past heavy, the team was able to be successful. And they were able to get into situations, by the way, where they could run the ball in manageable second and third and downs. And, That's what and like. something I've been pounding the table for, they started throwing the ball to number 13, the best receiver on the football team. Raheem Morris said it after the game. The difference in this game was they got Mike Evans involved more. Um, yeah. you know, he had his first, yeah. I think this was his first 100 yard game this year. No, and, third, uh, third, third, it was third, it yeah. third. Okay. Yeah. The, the Panthers game and the chargers game early in the year. I don't count those. I, everything it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a C after Chicago. I think that's when the season started for me. That's when I had the realization this team isn't as good as I thought they were, but, um, <laughs> But it's been a while, boys. And uh, but but you know Tom's got to Tom's got to learn to rely on those guys a little bit more. And he went to Chris Godwin a little bit more. Uh, I, you know, I love Cam Braid and Rob Gronkowski, but um, you know Mike Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin are in, in and we saw Antonio Brown today. Those are guys that can produce big plays down the field. And uh, I hope that uh, that that Tom gets more chemistry with Mike Evans because, like I said, it's been a while. Uh, since they've kind of had that chemistry, and it really well, they showed looked, that. that. That was the thing that was on display today, right, Scott? Like, they, Brady's communicating with them. Come back, come back. And Evans yeah. is coming back for the – like, there were timing stuff. There was the short stuff that they turned – you know, they get, again, same timing. And, like, so it looked like they were really on the same page. To me, like, if you're looking at positive signs moving forward, obviously the offense getting on a roll in the second half is great. But the way they did it with Evans and Brady, and obviously we've talked about Evans being the most targeted guy on the team by a pretty yeah. significant – margin this season uh, but you know in this game it, you know again it, you're right Evans kind of had a lot of the big plays Mark but you know it's seven targets for Mike Evans it's seven for AB it's four for Cam Braid it's five for Godwin it's seven for Gronk it's you know three for Scotty Miller and five for for Fournette even um three for McCoy and so again like you know it's the same thing with Brady I know everybody's like oh throw this guy. but he is just going to throw to who's ever the best option on the play as he reads it out based on the coverage based on the call and it really doesn't matter what name is on the back of your but jersey. Sometimes, That's why being out of there was helpful. <laughs> but sometimes he is hell-bent on throwing to somebody before he snaps the ball, particularly on third down. Um, yeah. There was a play, I think it was, yeah, who was he trying to go to? To uh, maybe it was Gronkowski. I can't remember, but it was a ball kind of out in the flats, and it would have been a first down. But it was, it was a, it was a, a not a great throw, and the and the player was, it was player was really well covered. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, they ended up having to punt there. Um, well, and li listen, guys, uh, let's not gloss over Antonio Brown. I mean, I've been giving this guy a lot of grief because he has not been the big time playmaker the Bucks needed. And and today, he and Brady finally got on the same page in terms of, of that deep throw, forty six yeah. yard touchdown to win the game in the fourth quarter. And you know, taking a look at his numbers today: seven targets, five catches, ninety three yards, eighteen point six yards. Per catch, I mean that's that's the Antonio Brown that we've all right. been waiting for, right? Yeah. That that's the guy, and and really this team has has only had Scotty Miller as that deep reliable threat. Mike Evans has kind of operated in that that intermediate that twenty to to thirty yard zone. Um, but listen, AB came down with some big time catches today. That forty six yarder was of course the biggest one and it was it was good to see it was good to see him get on the board it's just another weapon if he can continue to play like this and Miller can be used for the occasional big play um or the wide receiver screen as we saw him uh, use today uh, Chris Godwin Mike Evans it's it's a it's a lethal bunch of guys here right uh, but I just well, yeah. I'd like to see more fireworks in the first quarter well that's that's why it was so shocking they had 60 yards in the first half Six yeah. zero. That was it. I mean, that's 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 going back to you know Raheem type years and and you know Josh Freeman's first year type statistics. I, I when this team was just awful. Um, you know, I, I'm just I just couldn't believe it when it got to halftime and they had sixty yards against the Falcons defense. It's just not very good. Right. Yeah. They're just not good, and uh, they you know they can't get to the to the quarterback. They they don't sack the guys a lot. They had two guys missing in the secondary and. Um, Anyway, clearly, John, John I, I, 
Did you want to touch on, on Fournette having a great game? <laughs> great game. Oh, Daniel, come on. But I do want to add this about AB, and then I will get to Fournette. I'll, I'll say some yeah. things about him. But uh, AB, a couple just things about him quickly in this game. I felt like you know the play that got him started, 20 yards over the middle of the field, off play action on the first play of the second half, was a great catch. He almost dropped it. It was a great throw by Brady. Strike and not, not in a huge window. Um, and AB kind of bobbled it, but did catch it. That was a big play to get him started. The best thing that AB provided in this game, although wasn't that play, and it wasn't the 46-yard touchdown, obviously in the result that it was, um, you know, but that 46-yard touchdown, great concept. The slot receiver kind of getting that natural rub off the line of scrimmage and getting vertical, no chance that corner would have been beaten by any dude on the Bucks wide receiver. Justin Watson would have had that one. And no, not to take away from AB, it was a great play, but you know, but I just I think the best thing AB brought to this team is the same thing I was talking about with you, Scott, on a podcast this past week making yep. plays with the ball in his hands. When the Bucks had pressure in the first half, they, the, the Falcons continued to send extra pressure. They didn't have answers for it in the route concepts, really. Yeah, I think it was extra guys, not really really like more than the offensive line could account for, and the route concepts didn't have answers for it, similar to the first half against the Chiefs. I bet that's who the Falcons were trying to copy. Then in the second half, they made the adjustment, let's throw these bubble screens when they're playing off and they're blitzing. And so they threw those bubble screens and Antonio Brown made people miss. Chris Godwin also had a couple of nice ones. But what I say to you on Wednesday, Scott, like this has to be, and I wrote it in our preview for our predictions, that this has to be a game where these Falcons have allowed more yak than any other team in the league, I think yeah. we said. This had to be a game where the Bucks wide receivers made people miss. Godwin right. hasn't been as good at that this year as he's been in years in this past year or this uh, 2019 season. Yeah. AB so was brought here for that role, and that's, that's right. been the one thing he's been able to give them. And he gave it the uh, to the Bucks, I thought, on Sunday, and it was huge right. for their offense. That was a big part of his contribution. Yep. And and now you know Fournette was he Fournette. great? Was he okay? He was okay. I mean, yeah. Again, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, the Leonard. We'll see if we can get anything for the all twenty-two for Leonard. Yeah. I will say him going backward into the end zone. I know he barely got in, but I was literally like. You are huge. like. I, <laughs> yeah. But he made someone miss in the flat. I will give him credit. I always do. If he makes a play, he made someone miss in the flat. That was honestly one of the – it was a literal miracle. I, he hasn't done that all season long. It was a very poor tackle attempt I saw on the replay, but I still praised him for it. The corner yeah. kind of went down to all fours before tackling, <laughs> trying to tackle. But he, that was a good play that he made, and he had a, a couple – he had some terrible blitz pickups, and he had some good blitz pickups. Same with McCoy. So, again, a mixed bag in that capacity, but you yeah. honestly take it over some of the rough stuff we saw on tape from him in Jacksonville last year in pass protection and even at times this season. He's just a guy. You know, he's just a guy. But, again, he can't kill you. He didn't drop the ball. They have to figure this stuff out on the screens, though, guys. I mean, what are we yeah. What are we doing on these screens? I mean, they can't complete one. They can't even get the like yeah. the, anything, the blocking, the running yeah. backs releasing into offensive linemen. I mean, yeah. it's a total mess. I mean – it's brutal to watch the screen God, game right now. We talked on our preview podcast about this being an air raid game, and that's exactly what it lived up to in terms of the billing. 390 yards, two touchdowns for Brady, 356 yards, three touchdowns for Matt Ryan. Uh, it certainly was that aerial type of performance that, that we showed. But, uh, you know, Fournette, to his credit, he did chip in two touchdowns and really no critical mistakes, no fumbles. Um, he didn't get Brady killed. Uh, on some of the blitz right. pickups, you know, you'd like to see that was the biggest thing, right? Passes. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, Mark, uh, we're looking at, at this live here. If you're listening to us on Sunday night, the Saints just lost to the Chiefs. Saints in a downward spiral. Yay. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, Megan I mean, asked me why I hate the Saints so much. And I said, I, it, it's hard to say. Well, I mean, number one, they're in the Buccaneers division, and you always want anybody in the NFC South to lose, or at least I do. But, I don't like Sean Payton. Drew Brees is probably one of the nicest guys in the world. I had an opportunity yeah. to meet him several times at the Pro Bowl, but um, I don't like Cam Jordan. He's a jerk. He got kicked he got out, thrown of, out of the game. Yeah, yeah well, he should have. He should have been kicked out of that first Bucks game for throwing a punch in the pile. I mean, he's just a oh, right. he's just a dirty player. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of guys on that team that I don't really like. But anyway, glad to see that they lost. Man, now they've got a couple. They've got Minnesota, I believe, and Carolina yeah. left. Yeah. So. Any hopes that the Buccaneers have of winning the division, uh, the Bucks are I mean, the, the Saints are not going to lose to Minnesota. Uh, I don't think yeah. Minnesota's just not playing well at all right now, and they're not going to lose to the Panthers, who are just terrible. I yeah. think they're mailing it in at this point. So, right. So, anyway. so right now, just to reset, the Saints are now ten and four. The Bucks are nine and five. But 
but they have to get one game ahead of right. the Saints. Bucks have to win out. Saints have to lose Bucks out. Bucks have to yeah. win out. Saints have to lose out. That's the Bucks only happen. way because the Saints have that tiebreaker. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I agree. But uh, at the same time, the Rams lost, John. So the, yeah. the Rams lost to the Jets. So That know, should Sam- disqualify them from the playoffs. That's they the most just, surprising the, result of this. Roger season. Goodell should just say, you guys, you lost to the Jets. You can't right. be in the playoffs. It doesn't matter what your record ends up being. That's just yeah, inexcusable. That is, which that makes the loss to them by the Buccaneers even more uh, I don't. Uh, I don't look at it that way. I know what you're saying, Mark. I don't look at it that way just because the Rams have clearly been a good team all season long. It's not like they were like that was their only good win, and you know, I they just literally just dropped the ball today. I mean, that's just horrible. You know, I I don't look at every game necessarily correlating to the others. This is just how I look at the it. Cowboys this year too, though. Who the Rams? No, they beat the Cowboys. That's right. Week one say, or two. Yeah, Bills. yeah, they did. I'm sorry. So right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I guess, have the number one pick. In the right. and, and basically, that's Sam Darnold saying, screw you, Trevor Lawrence. Not I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. they're still probably going to take quarterback, but franchise-altering yeah. moves. Okay, because... so, you, so you end up with Fields instead or, or, or you know, yeah, I can't even imagine Kyle Trask right or something. Imagine else. that as a Jets fan, though. Like That's the most I Jets mean, thing that happens today. They beat their ass. If Trevor hey. Lawrence goes on to be as good as people think he is, like, yeah. and, and the number two now, you know, the number two guy, if it's Fields or Wilson or whoever, could be great, too, but that's right. – Hey John, real quick, where's where's Trasco in this draft? Where does Kyle Trasco of the Gators? We got some Gators. Is he top ten guy. You know what? No, not top ten. But I will say this: he is kind of going to be your classic case of a guy who's like physically limited, but he really seems to throw with pretty good ball placement and touch. He's tough. He's the team's going to love his leadership. Is, is What's what that? He, he's Brad Johnson two point he honestly, that's the kind of quarterback he is. Yeah. yeah. So if you get a great thing going around him, now I haven't scouted him closely, so I reserve the yeah. right to. I just had somebody opinion. argue with me because I put in the uh, in the uh, behind enemy lines that the Falcons were going to, you know, going to be looking at Mac Jones and um, obviously Kyle Trask in that SEC championship game last night, and they may be going after a quarterback if they can find a way to get rid of Matt Ryan and that salary, which they I don't can. know how they're going to do that, <laughs> but, yeah. but. Uh, but you know they may today, the they may still draft you know a quarterback and I think right now they're set to draft uh, eight or nine right now and somebody said well there's no way Kyle Trask you're crazy if you think Trask is going to be there at nine I'm going no I'm pretty sure he's going to be there at nine he might be there at fifteen he might be there at twenty nine I don't know where he's going to go exactly yeah, I, but, I mean that wouldn't shock me if he didn't get drafted in the first round for sure yeah. right but I mean but I think he's you know he's played himself into the conversation which is more than you can say for a lot of guys. Um, but yeah, Matt Ryan, speaking of him, I mean, he was great today in the Bucks. Again, get back to defense. Again, not many answers uh, in this right. game other than when the pass rush finally got home late in the game. You know, it was the blitzes finally got home. But guys, I got to tell you, I think one of the most disappointing aspects of this year for me in the bu- watching the Bucks was that four-man pass rush. I mean, I really thought Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, they killed these guys last year. They're going to have one-on-one opportunities. The Falcons are going to go pass heavy. I mean, it was brutal. They couldn't even, They couldn't get off a block. They didn't – Ryan had – it wasn't even like late pressure, nothing. I mean, yeah. nothing. He was just all day, drop back, survey the field, get to late options, sometimes got out of the pocket. Matt Ryan. Yeah, well, they it were, was, they were clearly scared of his running ability, John. They, they probably had a spy. Uh, well, he did have a dropping back. Yard carry that picked up a first down. Shaq Barrett, to me, I like him much better on the right side. And it's yeah. just so disappointing that they continue to put him on the left side because he's not nearly as good at contain as Jason Pierre-Paul is. I think Pierre-Paul with his length is just much right. better suited on the left side where he can contain a quarterback. You know, A right-handed quarterback is not going to roll to his left, to his blind side. He's going to roll to his right, even a statue like, like Matt Ryan. And you know, Jason Pierre-Paul – rushing from the right side had zero tackles, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits, zero pressures. And uh, just, well, he was inactive today, right? They did switch some though, especially in the second half. I mean, you're right. It's clearly been better lately. I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. It just was bad all around. Like they tried some of the, and the other thing is, I mean, guys, we are literally talking about a season where every single player on the Bucks defensive line, including interior guys are going to set records for the amount of pass coverage reps that they have. I mean, Steve McClendon's yeah. been here like what six weeks, seven weeks, and he's going to set a personal high for yeah. snaps dropping into coverage. And yeah. you saw Anthony Nelson didn't get enough depth on the touchdown right. to Russell Gage and who can blame him. He can't right. move, yeah. but he's being asked to That's drop in his face right. and cover. It's just, I mean, it's every game 
I know everybody's going to be like, Jason Pierre-Paul picked one off that game. Like, great. If you're going to get shelled every game for doing that, and then you're going to wait for that one opportunity, that one play that comes from it, it's just not a good process. Like, they could get a pick against the Lions. They get a pick against the Falcons, but I don't know if it makes up for a season of getting destroyed on those same concepts. I mean, teams have just continued to hit those corner routes against them when they're dropping those guys. This happens every single week. I agree. I just don't know Here's a good question. Uh, Scott, would it make sense to just line Shaq up on whichever side has the worst tackle for the opposing team? Uh, Maybe, but the thing is, is from, from what, you know, we had a, a conversation via zoom um, with, with Larry foot, the, the, the outside linebackers coach, and he lets those two guys decide. And Shaq is such a nice guy, right? I mean, you know, you know, uh, Shaq Barrett, Mark yeah. from locker room yeah. last year. He's he's the nicest guy in the world. Jason and Pierre from Paul, what's cooking? Yes, Jason Pierre Paul wants to rush, you know, from the right side. That's where he feels more comfortable. So Shaq defers to that, and that that's just kind of how it's rolled this year. But I like Jason Pierre Paul better on the left side. And I think if you look back at last year, I think he got eight and a half out of his eight and a half sacks from the left side, Shaq Barrett got, I think 13 out of 19 and a half from the right side. If my memory serves me correct. So, you know, I, I, I would just like to see him. I think he's much better because he's a lighter guy at 250 going one-on-one against the left tackle rather than having to fight through traffic with a tight end and a right tackle. And, and he, he does get more chips, uh, from from that side, and he's also in the quarterback's sight line. I mean, you saw Matt Ryan in mm-hmm. the first half step up, and Shaq nearly swatted the ball out of his hand. Right. But the problem is Ryan saw him coming because he's right in his sight line as a right-handed quarterback. I think Shaq Barrett, you go back to last year, he had six forced fumbles. Why? Because he was coming from the blind side. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I would do too in this game and, and just moving forward is I would try to get Anthony Nelson – on the best player for the other team when he's in the game. And I would try and use him more. I would get him on the best offensive tackle and yeah. I would get everybody else matchups. Just let, let your worst player get waste. Just let him fight yes. like crazy. The best player on the other team and get your other guys, including Shaq Barrett off the edge, but also Jason Pierre Paul inside. We have not seen a lot of those three guys rushing. The Falcons right. made it clearly in that game. They were just going to throw, I mean, really the whole game, they were going to throw the ball first down, you know, the bucks, it didn't matter. They could not figure it out. They kept, you know, run defense personnel on the field in those downs. And it was a big reason why they couldn't get home. And so I, what I would do, I would start to get all three edges on the field more often. I know Nelson isn't good, but if he can just occupy the best guy and then you get, again, it was like the Ross Cockrell blitz last yep. week. Like just have him occupy a dude. Like it doesn't matter whether he beats him or not, as long yeah. as it gives everybody else one-on-one matchups that are more favorable. And, and so it that's, was surprising, John, how they, how they did stay in their three, four personnel for, for a good portion of the game, especially well, I should say in the first half more, more so than yeah. the second. But I mean, they're it, obsessed with stopping the run, and it just doesn't matter okay. when you well, guess what they they stopped it, right? I mean, well, the, but, but, but the, they didn't stop it last week against the Vikings. who ran for 162 yards. Dalvin Cook had over 100 yards, and they scored 14 points. Yeah, but stopping the, the run is so Vikings overrated, though. Right. You're not exactly hearing what right. I'm saying. It's overrated. Yeah, it's if the overrated. Vikings had thrown the ball more, they probably would have won that game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they would have been but, a but the Falcons didn't even try to run the ball, and right. they they weren't going to try it. I mean, Todd Edo Gurley, Smith was carry. your starting running back, right? Ty Gurley one carry minus one yard. Brian Hill five carries minus two yards. Ryan, I I, I sorry sorry Matt Ryan, I said you had a fourteen yard run. I shortchanged you. You had a sixteen yard run. It was the longest play of the day on the ground for the Falcons. You mentioned Edo Smith six carries for twenty four yards, average four yards a pop. So, you know, you add it all, all together, that's 38, uh, 36, uh, 35 yards rushing for the Falcons today, right? But at, at and the 27 time, points. But it didn't matter, right? Because they I put know. 27 points and they did that through the air. Yeah. And and Calvin Ridley's, um, he's a really good player. I know he had the one drop, and but he's 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 awesome. He's great body control. He's a great route runner. He's really fun to watch. You, you know, you shudder to think what would happen if Julio was in this game too. That's what um, I was going to ask you. Do, do the Buccaneers lose yeah. this game if, if Julio plays? It's hard to make that because then how yeah. many targets don't go to Calvin Ridley? You know, it's it's just saying like I think the Bucs would have been chasing dudes all over the field. But I'll say this about Ridley too. You know, in this game, a lot of people will say, and again, I said this after the fa- after the Chiefs game too. Everybody's like, oh, the Bucks defense stepped up in the second half. I don't really know how true that always is. Uh, they got destroyed in the first half. They gave up 10 points in the second half, but like they got off the field on that Calvin Ridley drop on a 20 plus yard completion on second down on the Falcons 
second drive of the second half. And then they got off the field on when they missed Russell Gage deep when Jordan Whitehead and, and SMB combined to blow the coverage and Ryan just kind of overthrew him and uh, by a tad bit. I mean, the, you know, even the play, Winfield made a great play to break it up. So I'll give him credit for that drive that they stopped him and then they got the sack and, and forced a long field goal. But, you know, those are two drives in that half where, like, again, what I tweeted out during the game, I said, like, I think the Bucks offense can keep this going in the second half because we've seen it yeah. before. But the Bucks defense is going to have to get a break or two. They're going to have to get the other team making a mistake or two to get to get off the field in this game. That's just reality. And that's exactly what I felt like happened in the game. I did not think that the defense came out. and Now, they made more plays in the second half, absolutely. But I'm just saying the Falcons were still in position, and they closed it out on the last drive. I'll give them credit for that. But I don't think the Falcons – I think the Falcons left points on the field. I don't think they left at least 10 points on the field in this game. So – I think that matters when you start 17 nothing and you're playing against a better team that knows how to close, you know, you, they're not going to leave 10 points, 10 more points well, on the field. I, I thought the most disappointing thing, and, and we'll, we'll do the my bookie read tomorrow, but the most disappointing thing for me was since I had uh, bet the Buccaneers, uh, you know, five and a half. Um, I, I was very upset that Bruce Arians did not elect to kick the first of all, it was a crappy spot by the refs. Should have been fourth and one. I'm just saying. It should have been absolutely, I mean, and then they replayed it, and they but still they would have went for it. Just I know they would have went for it, Mark. But I mean, come yes. on now. Like, now like, listen, you, know, you can't say that. Remember the, the <laughs> and and help me win my my bookie bet. I remember the Chicago game. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. You can't kick field goals. And now when he puts a few dollars on the game, all of a sudden he needs the uh, spread to be covered. Although I really wish I would have taken uh, the Gators uh, last night in that game. I knew it was going to be closer than the, than what the spread was. Did you, did you, did you bet on that game, Scott? At my bookie? No, No, I didn't. I've actually been, I've been getting killed lately. I've been killing myself. (laughs) I, I, I only bet a couple games, and I thought I thought the Buccaneers would win. Remember, my my final score was forty to twenty seven in my pewter right. prediction. And damn it, if they would have done something in the first half, they would have got that. Yeah, and they would have uh, they would have covered the bet. So, uh, Mark, uh, this is to you. It's it's to me, but I'm going to defer to you. Why do you think the coaching staff waits until halftime to adjust? I, I, I stubbornness. I mean, they spend all week, you know, Byron Leftwich scripts the first 15, 20 plays. Uh, you know what I mean? Right now, the way the Buccaneers' offense is going, sometimes he doesn't get through 20 plays in the first half. He's still on his script uh, at halftime. I don't I don't know, man. I, I wish I knew. We talk about it the last few weeks, you and I and, and everybody in the group chat. We're already predicting what Bruce is going to say, and most of the time it's going to be like, well, I thought we played better in the second half. Todd made some nice adjustments. Byron, you know. Damn it, you can't wait to do that in the playoffs. You will lose. You're not going to come back against playoff teams if you spot them the 17 points or 20 points or whatever it is. You just can't. And, right. you know, I, I wrote you know, on Thursday in the hook column that, you know, maybe we, we've we've overhyped this team a little bit too much that this is the year for the Super Bowl. Maybe it's all about next year because now they know, I think they really know now exactly what they need piecewise. They were hoping they had it. Uh, some guys haven't performed as well as they expected him to. So, uh, you know, 2021 is going to be the year, but they've got to be better on the coaching staff and on the football field. We can't just all pin it on the players. I mean, when you talk about JPP and and Shaq on what side they line up and you're letting, you're letting the players to decide who who the hell's the coach. I mean, make a damn decision if it's working and it worked the last few weeks. Why would you let them change in this game? It doesn't make any sense. You are the coach. You make the decision. If they don't like it, too bad. Be tough. Yeah. You know Justin, what? Justin Smith says, drove my kids to this game from Oklahoma City as a Christmas gift. Felt like I should have been arrested for <laughs> child abuse at halftime. Thank goodness <laughs> for the miracle comeback or this drive home would be miserable. Well, safe travels, yeah. Justin. Uh, now it's a fun drive home. That's now a, it's a fun. Yeah. It's a yeah they, you you went from you went from getting um some coal in your own stocking to probably getting uh uh, some big hugs from from the kids uh, for that right. for for that drive and for throwing down for the tickets for the game. So yeah, you saw what you saw was the second greatest comeback of all time in Bucks history. They've done that now twice this year, trailing by 17 points. They did it against the Chargers earlier in the season. They did it against today. Um, so it's it was a record-setting performance by the Buccaneers in that. Yeah. 
And we really appreciate everybody jumping in here for the show, too. Great turnout for the show, as it almost always is on Sunday nights. And really throughout the week, we've had great turnouts on the shows. If you're new, for some reason, you're just jumping in here or you've you know maybe watched us once or twice, you know, please just go over to YouTube, Pewter Report TV, and click that subscribe button. Click the bell in the top right-hand corner. Get the notifications for when we go live. You know, Even if you're like, oh, I'll just watch casually, I think you'll be pretty happy with the product we're trying to put out on a regular basis. We're going to be live. Uh, after the games on Sundays, we go live 7.30 at night. I think it's 1 o'clock games the rest of the way, so we'll be we'll be live in the evenings. It'll be Saturday this Saturday, week. Saturday, right. right. Yeah. And we'll be live in the evenings. And then we'll also we're, – we're live on uh, – we're live Monday at 4 p.m. and Wednesday at 4 p.m. We do the preview show for the next game. Thursday, we usually have a guest on 4 p.m. Greg Alman was on uh, this past week. He was awesome. And you guys, again, another Did you just call him Alman? Greg Alman, isn't that how you say it? Almond, almond, yeah, almond. Yeah. Do you Whatever say amen or amen when you say grace? I can see you being uh, an amen guy. I said amen. I say amen. Uh, I'm an amen guy. Greg, amen. Yeah. Okay. But it is. But anyway, yeah. Subscribe. Hit the bell. Get the notification before we go live and spread the word. You know, this podcast is going to grow and be able to get Mark a new camera. Which, by the way, Mark, looking much better on the camera. Is um, it? It's gonna be I able- just. All I did was uh, your clean glasses, it up a little we bit. Got, we got the we got a reflection off a little bit, so, so you can we can't... see the podcast inside the podcast inside That's my right. eyes. Pretty much, yeah. kind of like living in like the movie Inception, right? Where like you go from one dream to the next to the next to the next. Never right. saw it. So, don't, don't watch comic book movies. Movie, great movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, best movie. Yeah, but my favorite movie ever, I think. But yeah, what? Uh, no, so yeah, you got to watch it, Mark. I'm telling you, you never seen it. No, oh, I know Mark. So Mark will say, man, this movie doesn't make any we, sense. Are, do, we, do we have any Inception fans? Wait a second. Yeah. What do you mean Mark no, doesn't make say, any sense? You didn't think I'm smart uh, enough to understand it? Maybe no, I'm too you're smart. Not, you're just, it's, you're maybe it's so simple to me. Maybe maybe like the Matrix. I was like, I figured it out in the first five minutes. Next. You know, uh, come on. Yeah, I'll be yeah. surprised at that outcome. <laughs> have you ever seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, John? I never have. Oh, no, my good. God. You're immediately fired. That's it. Yeah. I'll watch it just for you, Mark. Love I'll watch it just for you. What is um, Inception? Oh, Inception. Uh, yeah. It's a movie. Christopher Nolan. Not a comic book. <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, not a comic book. Now it's a movie. Christopher okay. Nolan. Uh, it's really good. It came out like ten years ago, maybe, maybe less than hmm. that. Something like yes, that. Yeah, yeah, Mark 10, is Ali Bucks. You nailed it. <clears throat> wow, I guess. Um, so yeah, anyway, so subscribe to the podcast. We have a lot of fun and y'all make it, make it fun to be honest. So we got great fans in the comment section is always hitting, always hitting, especially after the games. I love it. Um, so bucks getting them get to, uh, what nine and five now and two games left the rest of the NFC kind of stumbling and bumbling their way. You mentioned the saints lose and the Rams lose. Obviously the saints playing the best team in the NFL and the chiefs and they lose a close one. So, and Drew Brees was terrible by the way. I mean, some of his throws are just – if Brady threw some of the things that Drew Brees has thrown this season. He was bad. You're right. But he also threw three touchdowns and and rallied the Saints. They fell short. It but yeah, soft coverage, garbage time, touchdown at the end of the game. Okay. Them, you know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm sure Brees is going to make the plays when it counts. I know. I know how this goes. But I just I just can't – we have had this narrative all season long in the national media. Is Tom Brady watching – you know, and like he's there's no comparison between him and Drew Brees right now. Jeffrey like, so. Miller, look at this. I'm a Falcons fan, but good game, guys. Throwing us a super wow. chat. That might wow. be our first enemy super chat. Thank you, Jeffrey Miller. You just made Peter Report history here on, wow. on our YouTube broadcast with Yeah, the- last week we had a renegade Vikings fan, remember? <laughs> he was he was like cussing yeah. everybody in the chat out. I'm like, we should uh we should rename the podcast after Jeffrey Miller. Rest in the peace. Jeffrey Miller. Oh no, he's not dead. Never mind. Podcast. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, Jeffrey. Thank you for that two ninety nine. Absolutely. And and speaking of super chat, uh, tis the season of giving. And uh, if you are uh, generous enough, if you uh, if you like the product at pewterreport.com and the Pewter Report podcast enough, um, you might see some of those fancy Pewter Report donation banners on our website. And we're doing that uh, through the end of the year um, as uh, you know as an opportunity to let you guys know if you want to donate to Pewter Report. For new equipment, we just revamped the website, things like that. Our travel expenses, which we're hoping to go to the Senior Bowl, hoping to go to the uh, NFL Scouting Combine. Um, the way you can do it is either through these Super Chats or by going to pewterreport.com backslash donation. That's pewterreport.com backslash donation. You can go there, and with the credit card, you can 
make a one-time donation for as little as $10 or any de denomination you really want to, or you can become a monthly donor for as low as $3 a month. And we've got different levels, three, five, and nine. So if you want to give on a monthly basis, uh, we certainly appreciate any and all generosity we get from you guys out there in Pewter Nation, our loyal, diehard PewterReport.com readers, listeners, and viewers. So thank you very much. And again, yeah. more Super Chats. We just got one from Buccaneer Bruce. Here's five bucks for John to rent Fast Times at Richmond High. Yes, I've got the I've got the movie, John. You just give me five dollars. I'll loan you the DVD. I don't have a VHS player, Mark. Oh, I have it on Laserdisc. Okay, that was before that, and Betamax. There you go, Betamax. And we got one from Cali Buck here, uh, John. We have lots of ground to cover. Okay, and oh, another one from. I, I say that a lot. Is he saying I say that yeah. a lot? On yes. The show? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey Miller again. Look at this. Three wow, Jeffrey Miller. Thank you. We're you dedicating know, I, this I, podcast I to you, Jeffrey. Hear as much anymore, you know. To Man. be safe, that's good. I think. And listen, Jeffrey, the yeah. first one hundred dollar donation. Um, I think I heard Scott say he was going to invite that person over to his house for a manscape party. So the first one hundred dollar <laughs> donation. Show us your receipt. Scott will give you his address. Oh, and and, there, oh, and uh, no, I, I tell you what, we get a hundred dollar donation. I will do a live manscaping uh demonstration on on just oh, my chest hair. Oh, just my chest oh, hair. Oh Michael Reynolds. Oh my gosh. Donating this for Jeffrey Millard. <laughs> two eight two dollars and eighty three cents. Wow. Yeah. Or you Come can on. say uh, twenty eight. Three, right? If you're counting up all the pennies, right? That's uh, two hundred mm. pennies, twenty-eight to three. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Now, Je Michael Reynolds, if you really wanted to do that, you could give like two hundred dollars and eighty-three cents, and that would still work, right? I don't know. <laughs> that would be and another you, way. And you'll get two manscape parties with Scott for that. So that'd be cool. <laughs> Scott, on the manscape parties will get even better. <laughs> So here we go. We have Bam saying he'll pay $100 for Mark not to do a lot. I'm about to go Mark, get the razor. I'm going Mark, to go get the razor. Mark, Let me see Mark the money. Do a manscape party. Let me show. The shirt's that, coming off. $100 to PeterReport.com. All right, John, I think it's about time for, since we're talking about manscape, let's get to the manscape game ball section, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So uh, before we get to the game balls, though, you know what we got to do, right? We got to. Tell them about the weed whacker, Scott. Well, we're, we're going to get to everything. Listen, fellas, okay. 2020 has sucked, right? Okay. Except for the Buccaneers. They're having a pretty good year. But it's almost New Year's, which means new balls with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and helping, balls. helping over 2 million men all over the world get rid of the hair on their balls. So if you let yourself get into 2020 while in quarantine – if you let yourself go, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. What we're talking about is the Perfect Package 3.0. It comes in this fantastic Manscaped carrying case right here. What am I talking about? Well, it comes with the Lawnmower 3.0, this bad boy right here. And it's got a light so you can see what you're doing down there. Very important, right? Because, because you got to make sure that you have all eyes on the prize. So if you come out of quarantine with clean balls, you're going to be thanking the Lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof and skin-safe trimmer. It will reduce the nicks to your two best friends down below. The third-generation trimmer even has that light I was talking about. It's going to help you glow up in, two, in 2021. It's also time to freshen up down there. So they got some great products as part of the 3.0 package. they got the Crop Preserver, which is this magical concoction right here. Preserve that crop. Anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits, do you not? So why not put some deodorant no. down there at the smelliest part of your body? And when you're looking for the on-the-go freshness, you're going to love this bad boy right here, the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. So 2020 was awful. So make sure that the boys are refreshed and ready for new beginnings in 2021. Manscaped, even through uh, this – what they call the shed. This is the travel bag. It's a nice travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing anti boxer briefs are also included. And I'm telling you, and, and listen, I have to read this script, but folks, I'm being honest. The Manscaped boxers are some of the most comfortable. They are. Are they yeah, not? No, awesome. They are pretty nice. 
Yeah, I, I give you, I give them credit. They're very good. Like I thought I was getting this. So I, I'm thinking, okay, this is the main. This is like the, the main attraction right here. Like these are nice, okay. But I'm telling you, the boxers were were a surprise hit. That was like. Will you show us the boxers? Um, I I would, but I wore them yesterday. They're in the dirty clothes. So, it's but okay. trust me, when you do your laundry, that's the only way you're ever gonna wear. So guys. Uh, with hairy balls, don't be that guy. You know, it, it, like you were in 2020. Freshen up for 2021. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Pewter at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Pewter at Manscaped.com. And rumor and is, rumor is the lawnmower. Okay, come on. Here's what we're gonna do. I got five of these left for right now. Pewter Report T-shirts. White, gray, black, we're going to give away five. So if you send uh, a Manscaped 3.0 package or any other package when you go to manscaped.com and you use the promo code Pewter, send me your, your receipt. It doesn't have any of your financial information on it, but email me at srpewterreport.com, and I will send you at no charge a T-shirt. So whether you buy one for yourself, whether you buy a Manscaped kit for um, your dad, your uncle, your college roommate, your best friend, whoever, your brother, um, you're going to get the shirt. So you can be a hero to, uh, to, you know, to the bro in your life. And then you can also get a Peter report shirt. So I got five of those for the next five people that email me at SR at Peter Do they make one of those with a, I know they make them with the light, but do they make one with a magnifying glass yet? I just asking for a friend, of course. No, microscope. It might be their next product, you know, it, magnifying glass down there. Yeah, just, just friend of mine oh asked boy. me about this that. This could go off the rails quick. I'm on the podcast. What <laughs> we do you got expect? some great uh, super chats here. Yeah, we we had some great super chats. <laughs> tell me about the lions for two dollars. And Broken Glass Three says, "Tell me about the lions." Sends a two dollar uh, super chat. Thank you so much. And Broken Glass Three, we are going to tell you about the lions. In fact, we're going to tell you so much about the lions that we're going to save it for another show, and it's going to be Wednesday, four p.m. Yep. Scott and I will be on, and we will have a detailed breakdown. Everything you could possibly know, want to know about the Lions, we will have for you. We will be able to answer your questions, and we'll be able to give you that information. Wednesday at 4 p.m., that show will be. Uh, Jeffrey Miller comes back <laughs> to Michael Reynolds and says, for Michael Reynolds, remember last time in overtime? Pick six. I think that's wow. what he's referring to. Yeah. Jeffrey Miller has become my favorite Falcons fan. Jeffrey Miller I'm has given more Super Chats as a Falcons fan. I think yep. than anybody else in this in our in our group chat this week for well yep. I guess this week just started but yeah what a, what a great Falcons fan yep uh, here's a good question time. yeah let's yeah. let me answer this one question okay. before we get what do you think of the Bucks using three by one lately isolating Evans saw it with Gronk too today seemed like a good idea concept on the strong side and good matchup on the other side if one on one yeah this is something the Bucks typically do with Mike Evans is isolate him one on one. This year they've moved him around all all sorts of places, and they've played him in the slot more this year than ever before in his career that he's played in there. So they've done lots of different stuff with them. They still get him in those isolations. You remember the touchdown against the Chiefs, I believe he was in isolation, the late one there. So they still get him in those spots, but Evans has become a player this year that's moved all over. He's not going to ever be probably a natural slot. But in today's NFL, there's so many vertical routes from the slot that pretty much all wide receivers, the top wide receivers are playing everywhere. The Bucks were a little late in making that transition with Mike Evans, and they've gotten him there this year. There's been a lot of communication problems, I think, because of it, but at the same time, his talent has shown up a good bit too. So, yeah, they're still going to isolate him three by one, especially when they want to get him vertical. We saw it a couple times in this game, and they were able to find him for plays, and that'll continue to probably be his strength uh, moving forward. Game ball's time. Here we go. Scott, you want to go first? Nope, I'm going to let Mark go first. Oh, Mark, get it. All right. In honor of the Manscaped uh, Crop Reviver and uh, Ball Duster and all the other stuff Scott's going to buy for his family members, which is weird, uh, I'm going to give my game ball to Mr. Mike Evans, number 13. Been waiting for him to have a breakout game since, I don't know, September. And uh, Tom Brady, who I'm convinced hates Mike Evans, finally decided... We need to get things going. Let's throw it to number 13. Mike Evans throw is a baller. More to Mike Evans than anybody else in the team, Mark. Mm, yeah, still not enough. You can't throw the ball to Mike targets. Evans enough. Mm, yeah, still not enough. How many receptions does he have this year? 57. 
Yeah, well, Tom needs to start throwing a better ball to him then. Anyway, Mike Evans is my guy offensively. Defensively, um, it would be easy to say Devin White. He had three sacks, officially three sacks, um, and they were huge. They were game-changing type plays. John says they were unblocked. I'm sure he's going to go with Levante David for his game ball in this. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to say Jamel Dean, who saw some action again for the first time in a while. I mean, he was uh, injured with a concussion. He was very strong in run support. Uh, he didn't have any pass breakups, but he had two tackles for loss today, and he seemed to be in the right spot at you know most of the time today. He wasn't lost. Uh, wasn't any glaring errors and things like that. So maybe the time off has has helped him. Um, you know, regain his confidence a little bit. Certainly his swagger seemed to be back. Uh, hopefully he can continue to be consistent over these last couple games and help the Buccaneers get hot as they hopefully get into the playoffs. So Mike Evans, Jamel Dean, those are my two game ball guys. All right, I'm going to go with uh, Tom Brady. I mean, he was not good at all <clears throat> in the first half. Uh, but in the second half, the guy was absolute money. Uh, 320 yards, two touchdowns, including... Uh, uh, an absolute dime to Antonio Brown, 46 yards for the game-winning touchdown. And the Bucks held on. Uh, they, they had six minutes and 19 seconds of clock to kill, and, and they did. And, and had they do that? Well, from the defensive MVP, Devin White, uh, 12 tackles, led all comers, three sacks. They were, he was really good on third down down the stretch. And, guys, what I liked about him, and, John, you and I picked on Devin White with his, his coverage ability all year long, and he wasn't great today in coverage. But you know what? He had two pass breakups today. That doubled the total number of pass breakups he had coming into the game. So maybe the light's starting to come on for this guy in coverage a little bit. But I thought his overall game was was pretty strong. Agreed. Uh, Mike, I think Devin White, this was his best game of the year maybe. I mean, I know he has maybe had better games against the run, and I don't even care. Like, I know the three sacks were unblocked, but, I mean, you finished those plays, and that's what he's supposed to do. Yeah. But really, it was it was good plays in coverage. And he was good in the run game too. And you know, he didn't. It was the fact that he didn't give stuff up. I mean, he made his first break on the ball in coverage that I've seen all season long. I mean, that's yeah. he had one pass breakup coming into this game, and I don't even remember the. I think it was he was rushing and he knocked the ball up in the air as a rusher in week one or two or something. So, yeah, I didn't think that uh, you know he was not the he was not uh, the weak link uh, today that he'd been uh, much of the, most of not all the season. Um, so it was a good game for him today. But uh, defensively, yes, I'm going to go with Levante David, not because I didn't even think he was the best one, but because I think Jamel Dean was a great choice as well. I was going to go with Jordan Whitehead. If you remember, I said at halftime in our group text, I said, Jordan Whitehead is the guy that should be on the most impressive list. He's probably the only player, um, as I thought he played great. Um, but then that double move took him off. The, like, you can't. Yeah. Literally one job in that situation, man. Like, you just cannot. So, right. again, like, that's his weakness. You know, he's probably playing in coverage. Um, but he's been great against the run. But I'll go with Levante David. Yeah, you got to say impact plays, man. He made a tackle for loss. It might have been a half-yard loss, but to have a tackle for loss on the first play of the game was an awesome play. And then later on a huge third down, he comes up in the open field and sticks Luke Stalker with a huge shot, loss of four yards, gets the defense off the field, which at that point was something that was really difficult to come by. So, I thought Levante David played a great game in this one. Uh, Mark says he was mediocre today. Um, Scott agrees with him. We'll we'll find out when we study the tape. Here's what I'm going to laugh at. If PFF grades come out and he's terrible, what are you guys going to say? PFF's awesome, right? No, I'm going to say <laughs> PFF still sucks, but uh, they blind squirrel well, they found the acorn. Right. Yeah. yeah. They got this one right. Well, they, yeah. they, they're good when they agree. No, I, I, but I think that Levante David, yeah, he played well. Um, nobody was really like a standout dominant player on the Bucks defense. Winfield obviously made the play of the game, um, yeah. but I didn't notice so much on that, so I'm going to have to watch the tape. Maybe I'll change my mind. Offensively, Tom Brady easily gets the game ball. I know Scott already said it, but I'm going to say it again. Tom Brady gets the game ball in this game because without Tom Brady, the Bucs don't come back in this game, don't right. win the second half. And I don't even think Tom Brady – I know you guys think he was terrible in the first half. I don't think he was terrible in the first half. I think he missed the throw to Godwin with pressure in his face on that play. Yes, you still got to hit that throw. I said it on Twitter. Pressure's in his face. I know why he changed his release, but that's still a throw you'd like to see him hit and maybe throw yeah. it with even more anticipation. Overall, though, I mean, it was I, – I just thought that the, there was no chance – yeah, he hit passes. I mean, he didn't have many incompletions in the first half. They just, again, I thought that once they got the, the screen to Leonard Fournette when it lost eight yards, kill it a drive, Vaughn dropping the ball in first down, you know, things like that throw you off. It's about getting in that consistent rhythm. And everybody played better in the second half. You know, the pressure was a big – there was no answer to pressure in the first half schematically. And when they solved that at halftime, great adjustments by the coaches 
um, I really thought, especially on the offensive side of the ball, thought they did some really good things in the second half. Again, those horizontal concepts, when the Bucks come out, they, they use some of them in the first half too. When they yeah. come out doing those things, it's a deadly passing attack. Brady was just scary accurate in the second half. And when he's in the zone like that, you know, it's just hard. You can't really do anything. Falcons still sent pressure. It just didn't end up mattering uh, because he was just so sharp. So he was definitely in a different kind of zone in the second half than in the first half. And tough to be a quarterback when he's playing that well. So that's my game ball choice. Hey guys, this was a really fun podcast, but even more fun thanks to Tom Brady, right, for, for making this uh, a victory podcast. We're going to have a victory Monday podcast tomorrow at 4 o'clock, so be sure to stay tuned to our YouTube channel, Peter Report TV. Uh, we'll be live tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Um, big props and thanks to Jeffrey Miller. We hope to see you in a couple weeks, Jeffrey. Thank you for all of those um, – Super chats from from you and all the Buccaneers. Big baller. Uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. Really appreciate the generosity and support. Uh, John, Mark, I, I think that's it, right, guys? Let's let's end it. Let's take yeah. it away. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us. Absolutely great turnout, and great audience for this one. Pumped about a Bucks uh, victory. So come join us tomorrow. We're going to Q and A and take all your questions and talk about the Bucks and where the NFC sits. Uh, Giants playing tonight, obviously playing as we speak. Uh, against the Browns. And so we're going to talk about where the NFC sits, where the Bucks place in it is as the playoffs approach. And then we'll get that Lions game previewed up for, for you on Wednesday and, and have our Thursday podcast as well. So lots of good stuff. 4 p.m. Hit that notification, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you know when we're going live. Thanks so much for joining us on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. 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 Out.